Welcome to Tire Tracks, a Banyan Technology podcast driving the logistics industry. And now your host, Patrick Escolas. Hey everybody, this is Patrick Escolas and we're here at the first ever Banyan Users Conference Connect 2022 at uh, downtown Cleveland at the Hilton. And this is the first episode of Tire Tracks. Uh, we're making history uh, with uh, Banyan's first podcast and I've been voluntold that I am the host. Uh, couldn't be more excited, but I'll try to be. Uh, no, but really, I'm very happy to have Ann Ranke here as my first guest and uh, she had some awesome things to say just for our attendees here a few minutes ago and and first off again thank you for being here thank you uh patrick i appreciate the invitation this is summertime santa claus in case you were wondering and he's giving the gift of knowledge that's i'm getting it for sure whether or not i can translate it that's gonna be left up for debate yeah so and you had some great things to say uh just for our attendees for anybody watching this after the fact or who couldn't make it can you give me kind of a, a quick recap or summary of what you had to say sure so there's a couple phenomenons we've seen throughout the pandemic. Obviously, people are aware of the brokerage industry now. They didn't necessarily used to be. The supply chain became a brutal reality to a lot of people because they couldn't get the kind of toilet paper they were used to, or they couldn't bring their kids the gifts that they said that they wanted. So we are using that as an opportunity to try to make sure that people understand that we're bigger than we have been. Our industry has expanded. Our industry has grown, and we've become more sophisticated. So we always work excellently in in times of market dislocation. And of course, we've had a market dislocation for two years. But what our shippers have seen is that they can turn to us and rely on us just as the ordinary course of events. And they want to because we have access to specialized equipment, for example. We have relationships with drivers so that we can kind of magnify capacity, which was as you know, in short supply over the last two years. And so we really are deemed a solution for those who may not have known about us as a solution before. And this is TIA you're talking about here. And I apologize for not putting that in the foreground. But TIA, is this, you kind of spoke to where you are now, kind of a pivot why why did TIA come about in the first place? What was the reason for its uh, you know for its beginning? Yes. So TIA, Transportation Intermediaries Association, we represent the brokerage industry, those who are 3PL professionals. And the origination of it was we wanted to have an organization that was best in class. So brokers, you know, have had um, a storied history. They weren't always part of the transaction. They used to be a um, an arm of the carrier. Okay. And they became a third party um, over the last 20 years. And so there were some commonalities of interest of people who wanted to have resources into how do they get to be better? Mm-hmm. Or if they, let's say they're starting a brokerage, they have a phone and a desk. That's not all you need. You kind of <laughs> need to know more. So how do you get the education for that? How do you meet the people that you need to meet in order to expand, to scale your business? And so that the, the association started with those sort of small necessary um origins and now have really become a network of individuals who want to be the best. And that's that's awesome because, you know, to me, you say that that started when brokerage was new and you, 20 years ago, but that seems so standard and like it's always been that way for someone like myself that's just about a year into the logistics space. Um, 
how do you gain the insight on the industry as a whole? Is that something where you're just talking to each person or where's, where's that information coming from? Sure. So a couple different ways. We have um, a market report that we issue every quarter mm-hmm. that's based on our um, member data about what is affecting them. So we've broken it out into intermodal, intermodal LTL and truckload. Okay. And so we'll see what their volumes were, what their revenue was, and their margins and how it is affected quarter over quarter. And so we have that every quarter. But what, what, what I'm trying to do is get more regularized data. So we have that same pool of members. They provide data. But I also want to know, all right, what are those members who aren't contributing? What are they experiencing? And so I talked to our membership team about how best to get that knowledge and harness it because we are thought leaders in this space. And how can I talk about it? Let's say in a communications, if we're talking about um, the trends in the industry, I want to make sure that I'm reflecting the latest from our members. So we're working on that. Right. You can't be talking about a trend from five years ago when you're saying you're on the forefront of the the industry thought process. That's right. Um, So a few of the things that you talked about that I thought were big issues that uh, kind of got it resonated across. So was this the AB5? Can you pretend I don't know sure. what that is? Because at a part of me, I got it from some of the context. Yeah. But that's not something I've been keeping a finger on the pulse of. What what is what is that whole situation? Sure. There? So this is so funny how it originated. So the state of California, as you know, they're. They're aggressive about just about every, every, every everything. It's, it's California. It's California, it's, yeah. right? So, this originated with the plight of the Uber driver, okay. and the Uber driver um, is an independent contractor, and they thought they were getting taken advantage. They of. were taking advantage of. Yeah. Now, did Uber drivers think that? I don't know if it even matters. So, the state of California determined that these independent contractors were essentially. Um, employees for all intents and purposes, right. and yet they were treated as an independent contractor and so weren't prevailing on the benefits, et cetera, the sort of infrastructure that you would get as part of a company. Mm-hmm. So the law was passed. Um, unfortunately for, for us, there were unintended consequences, right? So there were industries that you wouldn't have even thought about who so got the wording, swept So the wording up. was kind of vague. It and was didn't, vague. Oh. It didn't just say, hey, Uber... You guys, these are your employees. It, it it was so vague. It was it was almost interpreted that that a whole bunch of industries, including um, owner operators mm-hmm. and motor carriers, could yeah. be swept up into it. And so that is what we found. Now, funnily enough, Uber got themselves exempted, of course, as as, as did a number of industries. But <laughs> this, I don't know. This sounds like policy, right? There. Right, yeah. exactly. But the California Trucking Association brought suit against the state of California. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided not to to act on it. Okay. So we're back to where we think it's going to be enforced by the state of California. But worse, because it's so vague, it is ripe for trial lawyers to interpret it and determine, okay, we think that that independent contractor, that motor owner operator should, for all intents and purposes, be considered an employee, and we're going to file suit. So what does this mean to the logistics industry as a whole? Like that, I understand that. Does that just mean that there's going to be people that saying this isn't worth it for me to be an owner operator 
anymore or there's going to be less of a pool to get resources from to move all yeah. these shipments? What, is, what does that mean? I think you're exactly right. I think it's going to have a direct impact on capacity, okay. which is already a deer, right. right? Yeah. And so there are those in California who say, I don't want to be, I don't want to get swept up into it, right? Or too much of a hassle. Too much of a hassle. They don't want to have the situation where they're going to have to comply with regulations or they're mm-hmm. going to have to somehow determine whether or not they're going to get sued. They're not going to want to do it. So they're going to, to, to move themselves out of the, the state or out of the business. I think that's a first. The second is what's it going to do to freight agents? So brokers, we have freight agents who by and large are independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So how is that going to affect our relationship? Are they going to be considered employees? So under the law, there's these business to business exemptions okay. and there's about 12 or 13 of them. But again, because if you got the, if you got enough monies and lawyers, you yeah, can get away with exactly. it. But the, so the middle the middle guy and the little guy right. are getting stomped. Right, and so we're just concerned too that it starts in California and it spreads east. So there are already states that are looking at it, and yep. so that's just going to affect the supply chain, which already is is has been disrupted over the last few years. And I mean, disrupted is a good word for yeah. it. Now, kind of my last comment on this because it came up to me. So there's unintended maybe negative consequences mm-hmm. of it. They didn't, are there any positives that could come out of this for the industry for a, like a sheer curiosity? Is there some glimmer, glimmer or is there a better vetting process now or are the places or the carriers that are uh, adhering to this? Does their, do the drivers, are they getting added benefits? What, what's on the plus side, if any, Gosh, I'm so used to being negative that it's hard to see the positive. But I guess I like to, I like to be devil's advocate <laughs> because I'm thinking both sides because yeah, I don't know enough, you know, sure. either way. So I, I guess there probably are situations where there are owner operators who only have one shipper that they work for okay. or one larger carrier that they work for. So in that situation, sure, there could be a benefit to that person. But most of the owner operators have any number of customers or clients. So I don't know if there's that much of a benefit. Got you. The only the only other thing I think of is that there are those who are interested in opening up a brokerage arm as a way of dealing with this. And so potentially that means there are more brokerages, but we have to make sure that those people are doing it the right way and are ethical and all of that and know what the regulations are. And I'll just give a pitch for TIA for a second since I hey, should. That's what we're here for. I mean, we already got Banyan <laughs> yeah, already everywhere, got Banyan. everywhere else. You're so TIA can get some time. Yeah. yeah. So we are developing an independent contractor course precisely because this, because we think there will be more entrance in the brokerage space as they try to navigate and try mm-hmm. to figure out, all right, how can we we get through this or how do we actually make money out of this or what right. can we do? And so we want to make sure that they do it the right way. No. And that, and you were talking about some, some of the unethical things that can happen there and yeah. kind of gets me in somewhere else we were talking about that you guys are playing as advocates for and that we talked about. So tell me about this again, 80,000 complaints and nothing getting done on kind of the, the double booking sure. and the practice, these kind of illegitimate practices. Yeah. But recap that. Cause okay. I thought that was, Really, you know, that caught me immediately because you hear about some of the things, see stuff on social media about, man, this is this is terrible. But that that number and the lack of anything kind of blew me away. And I know that's something you guys are fighting yeah. for. Yeah, it just seems so counterintuitive that there is a law that establishes what a broker is. Mm-hmm. There is a forum for people to complain when they think that law is being violated. Right. right. The Consumer Complaint Database. And there is a penalty system which you can use to find these bad actors. So it's 
sort of baffling as to why none of that actually we've got, happens. We've gotten all the way from A, a to yeah. X, but we can't get to Z, right? right? Like those last few letters that something something's not right. And it's hard to know. It You know, look, the, so the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, of course, they're strapped for resources. Mm-hmm. Um, it's entirely possible that they can't chase down, and you mentioned it, 80,000 complaints, but this is over a 10-year history. So you'd like to think that there is an enforcement arm. Um, We're not entirely sure if they feel reluctant to enforce the law, if they don't have the resources to enforce the law. But look, the law exists. So you sort of think, well, the law exists. That's the first step. So surely, and and here, we're self-interested in this, of course, because when you have illegal brokering, that makes brokers look bad, yeah. even if we're not implicated in the slightest, right? Right, And it also leads to unsafe practices. If you lose control of your load, let's say you broker it to a motor carrier, the motor carrier brokers it to somebody else, then we we have no idea where that load went. Right, there's no, visi- no visibility, it, no, visibility no, li- no idea on the liability exactly. of it either. So that's where it comes into play. Yeah. No, that's, I appreciate that because like I said, that immediately hit. So going back where well, we've been talking kind of a few points on more of the legal policy side here, uh, we're getting into kind of fourth quarter yeah. for uh, peak season for a lot of it. What are, what is all of this? And I know you kind of have the finger on the pulse. What is, what does that mean? How, What's a good way for the people in logistics space to have a good fourth quarter sure. knowing all this? Well, you said peak season. It's been not super peaky, I, right? I, right. That's, and that's, <laughs> that's why that people are nervous. Yes, they are. And they should be in the sense that if they're totally retail facing, this is something that should concern them. Because as you know, except for the auto space, inventories are, and we heard it today, are bloated. That's a great way of framing it. Mm-hmm. So we've got a bloated inventory for most of our retailers. So... But, that, but it's it's somewhere bloated else than in actually in front of us. Yes, and, that's that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I think there's still way. The market is still strong. Demand is still strong. It's not as strong as it was. Okay. We're moving back to reality. Yeah. Two years has been unreal. So so it, you know there's still we're still capable of of doing well. I would say this. Our our economists have said that and. and What's wonderful about our industry is we are always nimble and pivot and and whatever we can do to make sure that we are 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 sort of serving our customers and serving ourselves. So they suggest the manufacturing is still a huge strong growth output for our okay. country. So if they can start diversifying their reach into not just retail shippers but also manufacturing shippers, that can help soften the blow. And 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 you know we're talking about fourth quarter, but I think that's going into 2023, which you know, you and I can talk about, but I think that that's something to think about is, all right, what do we see the trends are coming? There's still a lot of manufacturing output. There's still the trucks that need to be built. There's still any number of heavy equipment and machinery that needs to be built. So how can I get into those lanes? So it's really about diversifying yeah. not only the lanes, but maybe that source of revenue, or that right. source of deals. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's something that is now how would someone do that would they just go by networking would they pick up yeah. you know like i mean do they go walk down the shop and say <laughs> hey you're a manufacturer i got a truck let's go you know right well so it's interesting you say that because i think some of our folks their sales cycle are are, are much longer than you would anticipate mm-hmm. and they continue to work through these same shippers to get them comfortable with the idea of using the brokerage and and how if they've never used one before or if that's not a client they've had in the past how they can use us and what we can produce. So this is this is sort of related. Um, one of our members has been for years in the pharmaceutical space. Okay. And over the last two years, 
got into vaccine distribution. Makes sense. Right. Ideologically, it's it's close. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did he do it? Well, because he had access to the specialized equipment you need. For example, the vaccines, you know, had to stay real cold. I was just say reefer equipment (laughs) at that point. Yeah. So he knew how to get that equipment and had a line on it. And so that's what I think, you know, what we can do is here's how we can showcase our advantages. So this is how, why you should use us. And in that particular instance, he had the relationships, he had the equipment, he had the specialized knowledge, and they said, oh my God, why would we do this any other way? Why would we try to chase down capacity ourselves when we can have it do it for, have our you know broker do it for us? So it sounds like, you know, outside of the kind of logistics, it's not logistics knowledge, it's kind of all, all, all knowledge yeah. because at some point everything's got to move right. unless you're completely in the software space or right. yeah. Okay. That's something, you know, we, we throw about, we talk logistics, logistics, but really we're talking about everything. We're talking about medicine, manufacturing, yeah. commercial and everything in between. Yeah. So we've talked about it and we've just discussed that we are talking about everything, but so we talked about like fourth quarter, what they can do to kind of adapt for that. How, with how disruptive the supply chain has been in 2022 and the year before it passed 12 to 18 months, what does 2023 look like? Do you, we does it get crazier? You know, what do we get a new normal? What what are, what are you and TIA? What do you, what does that look like? Yeah, I I tend to think um, I you know we saw what Brent Hutto said. Mm-hmm. We saw uh, what Matthew said from Yellow. I, I tend to think it becomes a normalized market, which to those who started a brokerage in 2021 is going to feel like a depression, but I don't, I don't think it will be. I think it will be a more normalized market. That being said, I do think the retail space will continue to be challenged and why inflation, right? Mm-hmm. The cost of goods. Right. Um, we already know the real estate prices because of interest rates have slowed. And so what impact will that have on home building, for example, right? Like, you know, wood and yeah. stone and blah, 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 blah. So, um, I, I think that's something to be concerned about and will have an impact, but I do think there is still a lot of demand out there, particularly manufacturing. Well, I mean, that's that's got to be hopeful to hear for yeah. anyone listening to this and anyone in the space, because like you said, could have got it in this, but like, this is great. <laughs> and looking at projections, like, what are we going to do yeah, now? Right. So, and we've talked about like next year. So what does five years look like for the space? I mean, with a lot of, uh, they're talking about automation within sure. some of the, you know, self-driving trucks. We're talking about automation on the data side. What does five years look like from now? just as a, you know, what is your thought on that? Yeah. So it's interesting too. So five years, we already have 27,000 brokers. I tend to think that they were going to get more, but I also see the impact of private equity hedge funds who are interested in consolidation. They're interested in purchasing because they uh, see a growing line of business that there is never going to not be a need for. So why wouldn't they try? And they already have. You see it all the time, yes. right? Yeah. And so some of our members, you know, God bless them, they're trying to scale up and ultimately try to be a, an appealing purchase um, for those private equity. So I see while the continuous expansion, there is that level of, all right, there is going to be some consolidation there too. And that, and that makes sense. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it was kind of the wild west for a minute there. Yeah. (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) Right. No. And, um, but yeah, I, I liked thinking about it that way because that's kind of where the natural shift it's got to, if it went one way, then it's kind of got to come back. And I think uh, Brent Hutto said it uh, was like, you know, we're not in this equilibrium is not what this industry That's is about. Right. And I thought that was that was huge. Um, so we talked about present five years from now. 
if you have you got the venue and i'm sure other people will put a microphone and a, sure. and a camera in front of you but what's one message you have for everybody in the industry now as what's, yeah. what's kind of a, a parting a parting shot or a, or a takeaway from anything and everything here well i think that you want to strive towards continuous improvement not just for yourself but for your business and the only way to do that is to stay current with the people who are in your space and the education that is out there and how do you do that well we have the resources so we have meetings and literally for the 3pl industry those are where you get to meet the best of the best of the people who have done um, maybe what you've already done and learn from it um and then you have education that we try to keep current like i mentioned this independent contract Mm -hmm. We're trying to look ahead. We're not just reacting to what is happening today. We want to look ahead. And and it's incumbent on you, I think, if you don't stay current, you don't stay relevant, and then you lose business. And, and there's plenty of people out there who are happy to take the business from you. What? And then uh, just there was the one quote you, you gave when you talk about the TA in education. It's like, I learned that I don't know enough, right? That's right. <laughs> that's right. And I and that and I think that that's kind of where the starting point that you kind of need to get to, right? Yeah. Figure out what you don't know and figure out what you need to to know real fast. <laughs> exactly right. And implement. <laughs> yeah, implement exactly. Well, and it has been a pleasure talking to you. You have been our first victim on the uh, the the Banyan podcast. And, Patrick, uh, you did a nice job. Uh, summertime Congrats. Santa summertime has Santa has got to has got to do pretty well. The so. gift of knowledge. That's summertime right. The Santa. gift of knowledge for everybody. Again, Anne, thank you so thank much. You. you made this easy, and thank you. We'll have a lot more episodes coming soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tire Tracks. Watch for new episodes dropping monthly and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcast apps. For more information about Banyan Technology, visit banyantechnology.com.